Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. We are live with Shane Helm today. And Shane has been in the design business for almost 20 years, been doing web, been very flexible, done motion graphics, worked for people that you definitely have heard of. But some things have led to even bigger, better projects. And he's going to let us kind of inside behind the curtain today and see where he's how he's been able to get to where he has. We have a bunch of questions and I know we probably won't get through all of them because we have that many. And then we have some on the side as well. So I want to make sure, um, I know Kent wanted a couple questions. He wanted to make sure that we got to from our, the, the ones that I had done. So I definitely want to get started, but give us a little bit of your background about um, when did you kind of fall in love with design? And then when did web design become a thing for you? And thank you for being here. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Diane. I appreciate it. And uh, it was good to see you again at Creative South. And I get to see you every once in a while. And it's always a pleasure to see you. And this is this is wonderful. Thanks for having me. I'm glad so, to have you here. Okay. Yes. Well, let me, <clears throat> before I start, go back to the beginning. Can I tell you where I'm at, at right now? Okay. So yes. currently, I'm Chief Creative Officer for in Gage, which is a digital agency out of the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, we moved to new offices in Old Town, which is Alexandria, Virginia, about a year ago. So we work in politics, public policy, and uh, we do some corporate work as well. Um, so we do a lot of the committee sites, um, like Judicial Committee, Homeland Security, things like that for the House. And uh, we did some Smithsonian work, also did um, the pitch for DC 2024, which was uh, Washington DC's pitch to try to get to the Olympics in 2024. Uh, so we get to work on some fun stuff. And uh, so to get to that stage, <clears throat> well, I'd like to start kind of story in 2013, which is when I sat with, um, and then go back to the beginning of how I got there, because I think it's important. Um, it's an important for anybody's career um, just to really bust it to try to get to where you want to be in your dreams. So 2013, um, I'm sitting, I'm working for Dave Ramsey. I've been there for four years. I could not wait. I waited for two years to go to work for Dave. And it was a point in my career where I just wanted to do something to help, um, you know, to do something with my career to, to help a cause in a sense. But also before I worked for Dave was doing some work in politics so I knew I wanted to work in politics at some point. And I also had um, a real love for movies. So I uh, grew up, my mother was a big movie fan. She had movies on all day, almost all the time. Turner Classic Movies or AMC or or whatever. Or the Perry Mason show was on. Or we had Marx Brothers or Lauren right. Hardy or whatever. <clears throat> so I had a love for movies. She even, I mean, my name was going to be Quentin. And uh, mom saw Shane, thank goodness, the movie Shane, which is a Western, one of the best Westerns of all time, right before I was born, changed my name. So, <laughs> so I'm even named after a movie. So I have this big movie love. I've seen nearly 2,600 movies. And then I also grew up in a real patriotic family that really believed, believes in America, believes in our founding. Um, my uncle died in Vietnam three years before I was born, which had a big effect on my family. And he was not, he was a Marine. And he was not, it wasn't, but he was drafted. He grew up with polio, overcame polio as a child. It took him three times to get, to get into the Marines. He wanted to serve our wow. country. 
And once he got in, he, he died in 1969. So I grew up with passion for movies and a passion for our country. And um, so in 2013, I'm sitting, I, <laughs> I've done work pro bono, which I'm gonna get into what that work was. And I've done work side projects and they both led to two dream positions at the same time, one with Netflix and one with Engage. And I had to sit there with these two possible, you know, careers ahead of me and had to make a choice. Right. But I want to get back to what got me to 2013 because it didn't just happen. It wasn't just, I put a couple of things on the internet and bam, I had, I started uh, web and, 1997 was the first website I did. I graduated in 1996 with an art degree, but I grew up, uh, my mother was a artist, a watercolorist, and she um, had craft shows and did craft fairs and she had a jigsaw in the garage and all these different saws. And when I was a kid, she would have me, you know, paint the base colors on lamps that she was making or whatever the latest craft was. And she was making corn husk dolls or whatever. So I grew up with that. Her father was a sign painter. And so that was uh, a lot of my life was uh, around art. Now, my father was a nuclear reactor engineer. And um, I think that engineering side of my brain mixed with the art side of my brain is why I've wound up um, on the web doing user interface design. I think it just comes together and makes sense. I was very, math was my best subject. And uh, so... So I grew up winning poster contests and all that. And um, in between sixth and sixth and ninth grade, I, you know, I aced all my art classes. In tenth grade, there was this this uh, class called graphic design. I had no idea what that meant, but I took it. <laughs> I, I was burnt out at that point on art, and uh, I made a D. So. <laughs> I made a D in graphic design in 10th grade. And so I quit. I kind of quit. I dropped the class after the first nine weeks, went and took study hall <laughs> and kind of gave up art for a while. And then until my senior year, I drew a T-shirt for a bunch of guys that we just hung out together. It was kind of like our mini, not a gang, but just, you know, a group of guys. And everybody at school loved it. They wanted me to do uh, the shirt for the school, the whole uh, school, high school class, which I didn't do, <laughs> but I was always this competition about with me and this other artist in, in school. I mean, it, it so much that we were supposed to have a fight in like 10th grade on the, <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm so, I'm so big and beat, but it was really small then <laughs> I didn't have my height then, but so it was, it was stupid. And, but he was really incredible, really incredible artist. And really he, he, he was better than I was, but, but he had done the senior high school shirt and the other students wanted me to do it. So it was just ridiculous. So, um, but I got into college. I started it with a business degree, which um, when I got to quantitative business analysis was just, <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that was, but anyway, so I dropped out of that and said, what, what can I do? And I had recently been, drawing on jeans and painting jeans. And I'd, I'd done a pair of jeans of mine and people liked them and started paying me $50 to draw on their jeans. Which so is a good a little, bit of money. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was, I mean, um, when you're in high school or right after right in college, right? Yeah. So I was doing jeans and, um, and so I got the art itch again. And so I changed my major to art and, um, then I, 
after starting to take typography, of course, this was not on the this was not on the computer. This was like sign painting typography and uh, color theory, and I was excelling in these things, and I was really enjoying it. And um, so then um, I transferred to a Harding University, which is a school in Searcy, Arkansas. It's about five thousand, well, it's four thousand students at the time. And um, I was going to take graphic design. So I was in graphic design class again. <laughs> and I didn't grow up in a family that had a computer. And um, <laughs> so we get to class and the teacher's like, okay, students, let's uh, take out this tutorial book and let's do a tutorial on Illustrator. Well, this is the time Illustrator is like, I don't know what version it was. I think I started in Photoshop three or four. Um, but while other students were sitting there doing the, uh, their tutorial, I was sitting there trying to figure out how to even open the program <laughs> and save a file. <laughs> so anyway, used, I mean, we we were very similar. We didn't have anything like that. But I yeah. mean, yeah. So anyway, I dropped out of graphic design. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Yes, got an art degree, and. Um, and when it's, I'm getting close to uh, graduation in December of 96, I'm like, I'm not going to make a living as a painter. I'm not that good, and it's very hard to do. So what am I going to do? Well, that summer before my last semester, <laughs> um, I, well, my dad uh, bought me a computer. I had done a T-shirt design for the drama group. I was in a Christian drama group. We, Believe it or not, I was the comic relief. I did all these different characters and everything, so I'm a different person not so reserved when I'm on stage and um so I traveled the country with a drama group I did a t-shirt student uh, I mean people at youth rallies and everything can we buy your shirt can we buy your shirt and I was like you want to you want to buy this shirt really <laughs> and so and what I had done is I'd gone into the computer lab one night and just tried to figure it out and figured out how to open photoshop did a little design and printed it out and and then had it printed so I was um so after so after I did that, I decided to uh, get a computer and my dad, actually, he owned rent houses. And one night he called me and said, you have to turn on the TV. So I turned on the TV and one of his rent houses is up in flames. He's like, they blew up the house. I'm like, what are you talking about? They blew up the house. He's like, the tenants, they blew up the house. I don't know if there's a drug, something going on there or what. So. That a lot of that money that he collected from the insurance company uh, went to buy me a new computer, a printer, and I started a t-shirt business, a Christian t-shirt business. So I put all these designs together and went to a youth rally, the first youth rally I went to, and sold out, just about sold out of t-shirts, made $300,000 that weekend. 300,000? No, I'm sorry. Wow, that'd be awesome. I'm retired already. <laughs> I know. Holy moly. I think you left that out when we were talking before. 3,000. Three. Just 3,000. <laughs> That's still a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to talk too fast because I'm. this story is going long. <laughs> anyway, I like that you made $300,000 out of you. 300000 those Christians are all about buying teeth. <laughs> Anyway, so I made 3000 <laughs> Then I went to, so we thought this was going to be great. So I did a t-shirt business for a while. And then, but when, when I met my, who is my wife now, and we are about to get married, 
Um, she said, you cannot, we cannot live off a t-shirt company, so you really need to get a real job. And luckily, the drama group I was in wanted me to be director the following year, so I had to stick around at school an extra year. Which and in order to do that... She was, she was a year younger than you, yeah. right? No, she's five years younger than me. So oh, lots of years <laughs> younger than you. So, so yeah, so she was a sophomore when we started dating. And um, so um, so that year I took, uh, I had to take a, at least an hour credit. So I took an independent study and they gave me, can you do us a website for the Department of Communication? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so I call my dad, dad. I need this software called Net Objects Fusion. Can you get that for me? <laughs> He's like, sure. So he got me Net Objects Fusion, which in the early days was Dreamweaver, and I started teaching myself web design. And so I did my first website, and I guess that was in '97. And then, so when my wife, my soon-to-be wife, said, "You got to get a real job," I started looking for jobs, and I actually found a job in the newspaper. Because that's how we look for jobs 20 years ago. <laughs> so I found a job in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and, and, um, and went to work as a web designer in 1997. Um, but I only did that for five months. And then I have a minor in radio television. And a friend of mine who we did work together in school, um, video production work, I would do graphics, he would animate them in After Effects. Um, and we would, we won a national, uh, student, uh, well, at the first, first runner up, we got a student, a, uh, NAB award, National Association of Broadcasters award for that. And so he, we had, you know, working together, we, we did a lot of cool things with, uh, animation and motion graphics and things Which like I that. At the time, this was really new. You were probably using Macromedia Director. It was not. It looks like you're drinking moonshine, just so you know. Um, this is, yeah. <laughs> out of a mason jar. <laughs> That's how moonshine comes. <laughs> I, I usually have an Old South one of these. One of, uh, you yeah. know, Mike Jones's little side project. <laughs> anyway, but it, so the web was a lot different back then. And so, and so was motion graphics. But okay, so just to kind of give people a back, because this is almost 20 years ago. Yeah, so I was doing after, so I learned After Effects when I went to this new job. So I was in five months, I was in web design, and then my tell friend. Him, tell them how you got that job. Okay, so a friend of mine was who we went to school together, he was selling Avid machines, which Avid was before Final Cut Pro took a lot of that market share, That mm -hmm. they were the big. And I mean, the machines cost $120,000, $300,000. You could have just gone to a, a youth rally. That's right. <laughs> so, so he was selling these machines to a production house in Little Rock, Arkansas, who did JM Associates, who did all the outdoor programming for ESPN. He's like, they're hiring a designer. I'm like, oh, he's like, you should apply. And I'm like, no, we should apply together. <laughs> Let's both do this. And so we spent a weekend busting it and we filmed some footage. We put some motion graphics together and we busted it all night, put together a, a production and sent this in to show them. And they said, Ooh, we like this. And they hired both of us after we, well, we interviewed, but they hired both of us. So I went to work for two years from 1998 to a little, yeah, till 2000, I uh, worked on um, doing, 
the motion graphics for like the hunting, fishing, lumberjack competition, steel timber sports and things that was on early in the morning on ESPN. I, I think they're on Fox Sports now. I think they switched at some point. But anyway, so then but after two years of that and some days where it'd be 16 hours days because after effects at that time, you would hit render and you would sit under your desk and go to sleep for a couple of hours for a 15 second blip of graphics. And you would wake up and you'd look at it and you'd say, oops, there's a mistake. Let me start over. <laughs> and uh, so but at, sometimes it'd be 16 hour days. And there was a stretch there when I went five days without hardly any sleep and wound up in the hospital with sleep deprivation. And they sent me home with. Um, some sleeping pills and told my wife every time he wakes up, give him one of these, make sure he sleeps for 48 hours. And wow. so I woke up 48 hours later, went in and said, I'm done with television. And um, so I went, Flash was out at the time. I had been using um, Macromedia, Shockwave Director, mm -hmm. um, and doing motion graphics like that. And so I got in. We wanted to live in the mountains, and so we wound up going to Utah, uh, contacted a place in Park City, Utah, and said, are you guys hiring? They said, no. I said, okay, can I send you my portfolio? Sure. So is, said, is this like in the late 90s, 99? This is 2000. 2000? Yeah, okay. Two, I think I so moved and, out there in 2001. And businesses, it was different a little bit then. There, you know, we didn't have the internet was around, but it wasn't like it is now. So getting a job, but I still think some of the things that you did, um, specializing, making a specialized demo reel for the people in Arkansas, got you an in there. And then the people in Park City, you say, "Hey, are you hiring?" But then you showed them what you could do, right? Correct. So I mean. I if there's something you want to go after, I mean, you, you need to do, a, I mean, just do everything you can to impress. If that's the job you want and that's what you want to be doing or that's where you want to live or you, you just bust it to get, you know, get there. Um, but I mean, not everything works out. First, I wanted to go. Um, we, we tried Loveless, Colorado, and I made a, um, a little animation and sent it to them and that didn't work out. Or Lo Loveland. Colorado is that what it is? Loveland. And so, yeah. So, so I did that before Park City, Utah. I, you know, we're like Colorado's not working out. So, and and I was on the web one night, and there was this little ad. It said High Country Internet, Park City, Utah. And uh, so I clicked on it and contacted them, and they brought me out after I showed them some work. They brought me out. I spent a day with them and. Went to lunch, talked, and um, showed him my portfolio, and did an animation while I was there in director. Because at that time we were making all these compact discs, you know, and they were all these weird shapes. And you would put as long as the tray slid out of your computer, you could stick it in there. Right. You didn't dare stick one of those star-shaped discs into a front-loading slot. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but um. So I did that and they were impressed and said, you're hired. And so I went back and said, Ashley, we're loading up a U-Haul. We're going to Utah, U-Haul to Utah. So <laughs> that's what we did. And when I got out there, um, there was another guy working there and he has, was doing these thing called flash intros. <laughs> yeah. For websites, right? Yeah. Or so I'm like, I got to learn this flash intro thing. <laughs> 
And so my boss is like, we have, we have this lead for luxury motors in Chicago. So we have to have a flash intro on Monday. Can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> it was Friday. I went and bought a visual quick start guide. Do they still make those books? Yep. Lynda.com okay, so owns that. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. So, so I bought one on flash, went home on the weekend, uh, didn't sleep much. Um, came back on Monday was so tired. I walked in my laptop and I went to show my boss and I tripped and dropped the laptop <laughs> and it busted. The screen cracked. Oh. Uh, luckily, um, I could still hook it, hook it to a monitor and uh, get the file. And so we were good. And uh, so I learned Flash in the weekend. And um, of course, I'd already had a little bit, you know, I had experience animating in After Effects which going at that time after effects was so visionary and going in flash was not and going from animation from it was so e so much easier in after effects to go to flash flash was all these extra steps and it was just mind-boggling but anyway that's a whole different story are we done with question one <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway so then utah and you said something changed in your life that you said, Hey, I want to do something and give back. And that's when you were like, Hey, I, this Dave Ramsey guy. Mm -hmm. And you started doing some freelance stuff. So take us from that freelance bit of what you started doing politically and, um, and then take us to Dave Ramsey. Okay. So the rest of the story. <laughs> okay. So, all right. I, I, and that's why I was, was afraid I was going too long, but yeah, you're right. I got to get there. So, Anyway, so I was working for that. For, Cause that's really yeah, so, important. <laughs> like, cause that's something that's a uh, applicable thing that somebody else can take and say, Hey, look what he did. Okay. This is all one thing you should learn already from what um, Shane said is that he always was yeah. learning new things. This is constant. This isn't, this isn't like, Oh, it's going to stop one day. It's like always going to be like this. He always was trying, he saw something, he saw something cool and then he was trying to figure it out. And so we have to, we have to be like that to keep up in our industry. And then also I think you, one of the things I learned from what you've said already is that you go for something and it, it maybe it's not the right fit, but don't let that stop you from going for the next thing because it might be the right fit then. Okay. okay back so to you. So at, so I'm in Park City, Utah doing these, you know, flash intros and web designs and things like that. But at this point. In a beautiful house, you had a beautiful, like, tell about your little bit about your. Okay. Beautiful. Well, at that point we lived in a condo. Okay. Not the condo. Yeah, well, the yeah. And my wife wanted to buy another condo right next to ours for $170,000 three bedroom when we needed a little more space and we decided we want to have kids. And I'm like, $170,000, we can't afford this, which we really, we really could, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money. And, um, but, but it, you know, two years later, those condos were worth $320,000. Surely there is some way right. to make it work, right? <laughs> so, right. and who knows what they're worth. Go to youth rally. Go to youth rally, 300,000, yeah. <laughs> T-shirts. Yeah, anyway, back to you. Okay, so. <laughs> Park City, Park City, Utah. Utah. So, my, um, so we were doing a lot of um, business for real, real estate companies. I was doing a lot of real estate and I was doing a lot of park, um, property management companies because we were booking um, ski lodging for property management companies and we were, they were making bukus of money. And my boss was like, what are we doing? Let's cut, let's build our own search websites mm. 
booked the properties for the companies. And then, you know, and then, so he went and made all these deals and not just Park City, but Breckenridge, Aspen, everywhere, Vail. And uh, so 10 to 20% of the booking fees or whatever. So we, we started building all these search sites and, uh, and then we cloned all these sites and we were spamming Google and we would be, you know, you search Breckenridge ski lodging and we were four or five of the top 10 results because we had a really great SEO guy at the time and we were doing all the things at that time you weren't supposed to do. <laughs> so, which, you know, when they started making rules and, and cracking down on that type of stuff, hidden links or just, you know, footers with this many keywords. Right. And, but, um, the company uh, we were getting toward, we, we went from like eight or 10 guys as a web design company. Um, and, but, and then all of a sudden we had 40 telemarketers booking properties and then summer was coming and I'm like to my boss, John, man, we gotta, we gotta start doing, we gotta get prepared for summer travel. Stars so started building summer sites, but uh, we just didn't get it done in time. And so layoffs started coming we lay off all the telemarketers. And then John comes to me and says, we, I can try to keep you through the summer and hire you back at the end of summer, or you can go now and I can give you severance. Then you can try to come back at the end of summer. I want to keep you, but we're, I mean, it's just down to we. So anyway, so he, uh, he said, you can take the web design company over and all the clientele over just sign over. You know, you can take that your severance pay and go do that for a while. Just sign over the 1% of the company of the ski travel company, and then you can take all these clients and everything. So I did that. <laughs> Three years later, he sells the company for $25 million, <laughs> mm. which would have been $250,000, which would have paid off, you know, a house or whatever. So that would have been, it was not astronomical. I mean, money, it's not it's as good as the youth rally. No, not as good as the youth rally. True. <laughs> I could do that in a weekend. but <laughs> So anyway... <laughs> So I'm out on my own. And so I'm out on my own and I don't have a, I don't have developers now. Right. And, uh, well, me and another guy worked together for a little while, but then we split ways. And so it was just me. And I was like, and we had bought a house, a beautiful house that's on South mountain Draper, Utah, that overlooked the Valley. And I mean, this just out the back window of our house, this picturesque mountain, you just have mountain peaks jutted up and snow and it's just beautiful. It's just gorgeous. And so we're living in this house, got a big mortgage. I'm running my own business. And I'm like, who's going to code these sites? Cause at this time there's not chop mm -hmm. shops that you can send your, you know, your sites to, right. to have them sliced for you and all that. So, and, and I was already frustrated with handing off my designs to, um, development team and them not coming out the way I envisioned it, but I didn't know how to talk that through and say, Hey, so, cause right. previously I'd been using net objects fusion. So, um, and tables. So this new thing was out called CSS and there was these books by Eric Mayer and Jeffrey Zeldman and Dave Shea had the Zen garden, CSS Zen garden and all this stuff was going on. I was like, awesome. It was a perfect time for me to learn code. And so I just started immersing myself in, in, you know, what I could learn online and started teaching myself CSS and XHTML and uh, started uh, coding the sites from start to scratch. But uh, it was, and then, but owning my own business and stuff, it was really tough at that time. I mean, you sat in a room, there weren't things like communities like Dribble or anything like that. You thought, you know, you're like, right. there's other designers out there, but. I don't know where, I don't know them. where are they, how to communicate. Right. So, so anyway, 
but so after a while, I mean, it was just, it was just hard to um, be making this big house payment and all that. I started, I was like, man, we're in so much debt. We, I mean, there was times where we just credit card all the time, getting food, you know, eating out and everything. I was like, this is not right. So I read, I read, Changing uh, the way we uh, viewed that and started, and we're like, we're going to sell this house. We're going to get a small house in the middle of town, in a rundown part of town, which we moved to Midvale, Utah. Yes, go ahead. You sound. <laughs> if Jason hadn't said anything. <laughs> what did he say? You were talking. <laughs> I'm It sounded, <laughs> it sounded like um like you were an alien and, and I was trying to keep a straight face. I was just hoping it would stop. Anyway, um and then Jason Jason said what, what was that? So I want to reveal it. Anyway, I really came on today to reveal nope. I'm an alien. You'll have to go back to that second. Like, I think you could go until I turn red, you know. Like, really, if Jason hadn't said, I was like, because I was like, can everybody else hear that or is it just me? And, like, Alma had just said her connection was spotty. And so I was like, oh, no, you know. And then it was like. (laughs) And it was really. (laughs) I would have been able to be fine. So, okay, back to your story. I'm so sorry. Anyway, we're in major debt. I'm looking at this. I got hired as a, you know, as soon as we sell the house, and I think God was like, you're going to sell this house, and then I'm going to bless you. Because once I sold the house Mm -hmm. and cut up the credit cards and put my faith in him and not on a piece of plastic, things started Mm -hmm. taking off. And um, sold that house. And before we even moved out, I got a new job making great money as a creative first time as a creative director. I'm, you know, halfway into my career. Well, maybe not third way into my career at this point. And um, but and so I'm like, now I'm making money. We could have kept this house, but I don't think that's what God wanted. So um, so we moved. We we stayed with the plan and we moved to um, four years in a a house that (laughs) three times while we were there. There was people held up in front of our house by gunpoint three different times. So in one time was some guy had robbed the bank and my wife called me at work and said, there is a, there are police are out here holding a guy by gun. They've got his car pulled over here in the front yard and I'm sitting outside with the baby, which was Molly, our second child at the time. I was like, do I need to come home? No, don't come home. They'll take care of it. But I had just jumped to start that car a week earlier. It was a neighbor just right around the street corner. And I jump started his car because the car went work. So I jump started the getaway car. So there's a lot of confessions today, <laughs> um, other than being an alien. <laughs> right. So, so, uh, so you work for Dave Ramsey, mm-hmm. and then how do you well, get to where you so, are now? Yes. So I, so I, I really want to... Because that was what year? What year did you start working for Dave? 2009, I moved to Tennessee. So I was doing, I was working for an ad agency at the time. And I felt like I was, I just didn't feel like it was a good call. I mean, I was working in education and stuff like that, but I just wanted to work for something I believed in. 
in that and uh, at mm. the same time right before I took the Dave Ramsey job it was 2008 and I'd gotten I was really kind of I'd read Ron Paul the revolution and uh was really kind of mind opening and uh started leaning more libertarian and you know to our founding and stuff like that so um so I started, I, I reached out to, this was right before I took the Dave Ramsey job. I reached out to Ron Paul. I just started campaign for Liberty and his congressional intern had graduated and was starting young Americans for Liberty. And I reached out to both of them and I sent them a link to my website. And I said, I want to help. And you don't have to pay me anything. Cause I knew at that time they didn't have, I, didn't, I knew they didn't have any, you know, a lot of money to start mm-hmm. these things. And so so I think pro bono work and offering your services for free to a cause that you believe in can lead you to a dream position because that work led to a Senate com- campaign in Arizona to um, Senate conservatives fund work. And that work was finally seen on dribble by engage, which is why I am where I am now. This all goes back to 2008 when I did that pro bono work. So if there's a cause you believe in, I really, uh, I, I mean, I encourage you to reach out. You never know what's going to come out, you know, with. Or a group yeah. or something that that needs help. And, and sometimes it's, sometimes those even become, and I think yours did this too. They <clears throat> might not have paid you in the beginning, but then it ended up becoming a paid gig. And this is, you're working full time with Dave Ramsey and doing this on the side. And this was one thing. So if you aren't familiar, Dave Ramsey has a, a, big thing about getting out of debt and he says attack mm-hmm. the debt and so side but side jobs you're doing these things to pay mm-hmm. off debt and so you know i was i asked you the other day i was like well how was he you know kind of about that and he you said he was fine if you were working your regular job and you were doing fine at it then he didn't care as much right well, as he wanted you yeah. to as long as you're not doing it on his time and in his, in his hours and i mean i'm working a 40 hour week for him i go home you know um or i'd work at a lunch i went to this uh little sub shop called lenny's lenny's sub shop and i would eat i would sometimes work you know at lenny's i'd eat there three or four times a week sometimes and i mean they knew me by name hey shane here's your sandwich so <laughs> um so yeah, and then at at night after the kids went to bed, you know, kids go to bed at eight eight thirty, and then I'd hit it. But and then you know I was doing political design, and then um, came the opportunity. A friend of mine who I had worked with in Utah, John Perkins, and a friend of his, Ton, uh, developer friend, and me, we started this website called Seen That. So it was a side project related on movies. Um, so that you could recommend movies to to friends, you could log the movies that you know all the movies you've seen that you own, and all those types of things, and share it on that's social media, stuff like that. that. That's how you know you've seen um, so many. Uh, I've movies. logged the movies, yes. So I'm yeah. almost at twenty six hundred movies. Hold on, Moonshine Break. <laughs> right. <laughs> I won't let me use the interior um, dribble. So I'm just going to put those links. The links That's for fine. what he's talking about are over there. So the, I just can, I don't know. Anyway, so you get on dribble about when, like when were you working? What year? Friend, dribble would help anyway, for you, right? Dribble is huge for me. So a friend of mine at Dave Ramsey, um, Ben Lalazan, invited me in 2011, which is when I joined. And right after that's when I started doing 
seeing that. So I was sharing a lot of my work for seeing that on Dribble, which is where I started um, getting a following through that. So and seeing that wasn't, I mean, we had $120,000 investment. We were written in Mashable. Um, we weren't making any money off of it, but, uh, but it would, but because of the love for movies and just the you know the the prospect of this becoming something, people asked me after I quit it after I quit it early 2013 if, if you know all that time was worth it and I was, of course it was worth it. I mean yes we didn't we didn't get um, some you know big investment and we didn't make it. We did get I mean I think it's still up. There's like 20,000 users and. Um, but yeah, I mean, Google called me, Netflix called me, um, you know, CBS Interactive, Samsung, I, all these companies were calling me because they, they saw the work and they wanted to know what I could do for them. And, uh, and that's in that pro bono work in politics to help, which turned into a paying gig, which turned into 2013. And I'm sitting in an offer from Engage is what I do now. And uh, and then the side project of seeing that led to Netflix calling me and I had my two dream jobs at the same time. And I had to make a decision between the two, <laughs> which was very nerve wracking and, and hard to make. But but in the end, I'm, I'm happy with the decision I made. I made the right decision. And uh, and I love what I do. I love what Engage does. And uh, and uh, we're we're working on some big things and. And it's exciting. So it's yeah, just busted. I think you said the other day you were watching something and you were like, I made that logo and it was on TV. Right. right. So I did the and House Republicans logo. And uh, so the other day, you know, this whole thing against Trump versus Paul Ryan and they had a split screen on on TV and I'm looking at, I mean, we're watching, my wife and I are watching, and behind Paul Ryan's, the House Republicans logo, and I was like, actually, I did that logo. <laughs> She's like, really? <laughs> of course, you know, it's it's come full circle, because early in my career, I'm watching my graphics on ESPN, you know, so it's it's fun. It's fun seeing your things out in the wild, you know. Yeah, it is. It's, it's humbling, and uh, it, it, you sometimes forget, you know. You, you see it on your screen, but you don't always see it out, out living. being used. Yeah, living. And when yeah. you do, it's rewarding. It's fun. So so I want to get to some of these other questions because I think we've kind of wrapped up where you are. So CCO is what created – wait, Chief, Chief creative. creative Officer, right? So mm -hmm. one of the things that you get to do, which is really cool, is that um, you have these two amazing dream jobs at the same time offering you positions – and so it gave you some bargaining chips, I guess. Um, so one of the things you got to do with working, this is way down our thing, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it now since that's kind of where we are, um, is about working remotely. So they were super excited about work, having remote workers, but because of the situation, you were able to do it. And why do you make a great remote worker? Because I think some people like me, I need some more interaction. Of course, you have six ladies in your house. So that's interaction, maybe. But um, but what what about you makes you a good remote worker? And how did you convince them to, to let you do this? 
Well, first, let me clarify six ladies in the house. So those are uh, a wife and, and five daughters. <laughs> right, right. Sorry. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry. So about anyway, that. No, that's fine. Um, so anyway, yes. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Strength Finder 2.0? Strength, yes. It's a book. Okay. Yes, it's a book and it's an online test. It kind of gives you a personality, it gives you mm -hmm. your five strengths. And um, so if you if you've not done that, I encourage you to do Strength Finder 2.0. Um, also take the disc profile, DISC profile, look into that as well. Uh, that's something that Dave Ramsey really encourages all his um, team team workers to you know, to do. And so you kind of get a feel for what everybody's uh, personality is. So in Strength Finder 2.0, I was, um, Jason says it's procrastination history. <laughs> um, one of my, one of mine is, it was, um, was not procrastination, even though that is a struggle for us all, um, was um, responsibility. So I'm very responsible. So I, I don't like to displease people. I don't like to go to bed at night with things left undone. And when I do, it, it really grates on me and it gets, makes me uh, have trouble sleeping. So I have to finish uh, what, you know, what's being, what, what I have to work on and stuff like that. And being a freelancer for years, running my own business at one point, um, having an employee at one point, um, working late at night, my family was already used to me working and knowing, you know, when to, you know, they call me Poppy. When Poppy's working, let, let's respect his time. So there, there was already the, that. And and I was already, you know, used to working with clients and everything. So, and I had worked with Engage for uh, three months prior to them making the full-time position. So, you know, sometimes, um, it's, I think it's good for companies and, uh, you know, designers to, you know, sometimes have that, that kind of get your feet wet period and see how it's going to work out before you make a huge step and decision. So they already knew that I delivered, you know, when, when a project needed to be done, I delivered on time and things like that. So anyway, um, I, you know, and I could go to Netflix, I could come here and, and I just, and I said, I want to work from home and I want to work remote. And that was my dream. That's something we had prayed for for years. My wife homeschools and uh, my wife was born in the wrong century. She should have been born in the 1800s just because she's so anti-electronic. She's so um, she's she's not. I mean, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. And, and you, if you saw her, you'd be like, how did how did that happen? <laughs> but anyway, um, because of. Uh, I lost my train of thought. She was, she's wife. not really technology. So she was born, she should have been born in the 18. Yeah. So we look back and you know, that's how family used to be. It used to be together all the time on the farm or whatever. So let's get some chickens and make this happen. And, and um, so I want to design from home and that was, that was a possibility. And um, I'd already proven myself. So engaged knew that they could trust me. And um and then a year later, I hired Ron Slater, who is awesome designer, and uh, we just have an awesome team, and uh, we have some great developers. And there's, we're about a team of 20, 25 people at Engage, and we bust it, and we're agile, and we can get things done. We're flexible, and we do a lot of work for such a small team, and it's a blessing in my life, and I love it. So, all right. So that was one of my questions. So why is being flexible and having it? This is one that Kent wanted to um, 
-hmm. also here. So why is being flexible and having a teachable spirit great qualities for a designer? And then what other personal attributes do you think are important for desires to have today? And then I have another addition to that question when you finish that. I'm sorry. So what is it? So why is being flexible important? And and being teachable because you, why have those helped you? Um, I mean, just, I mean, when your boss comes to you and says, we need a flash intro and you don't know how to do it, you need to learn to do it. I mean, Mm. you know, when, when it comes down to, I could be a better web, I could be a better UI designer if I knew the code behind Mm. what's possible, what's not possible. Of course, so much is more possible today. If you've only been working on the web in the last five years, you you were so blessed because, you know, 20 years ago we had three or four fonts to choose from and we wanted an image on the website, but it usually had to be small because download time was forever. Right. And I just remember for years wanting this to do great typography on the web or I wanted a image to fill the screen and be able to, you know, change with the screen size and stuff. And then when, I mean, in technology changes so fast. And to be able to keep up in this industry, you have to keep on it. I mean, we never knew we were going to have to make websites work on a phone. So, I mean, you just, it's interesting to watch how this has all evolved over the years and to see, oh, and, and to see the guys that come up with this code and everything to, to be like, oh, well, now there's responsive design and uh, we're going to make this fit for any screen. So, so it's just, you got to stay, you got to stay on the edge and, uh, which is not always easy. I mean, cause it changes so fast. And, uh, sometimes you, you wonder if the young designers are gonna, you know, move past you, but, right. and, and, and then, so that's a real world threat. So you gotta stay, you gotta stay, um, cutting edge, I guess, on the edge of technology. So another way for, uh, I think people who've been in the business a while, I think a Joe Bosack as well, um, you don't look at his work and be like, oh, yeah, it looks kind of old, like kind of dated. Like that's another way to stay flexible is because our, our industry is so trend. Uh, we have to stay up with trends, colors. We have to do what is current. So how, you know, what's helped you stay so that nobody looks at your stuff because your stuff's awesome. Nobody looks at it and is like, oh, he's kind of dated. Like, how do you stay up on things? Thank you. Uh, you have I don't five know, daughters? Just, yeah, they tell me what's in. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my uh, my oldest, she's 12. She's a face painter. Um, and um, she's. I think she's going to surpass all of us. Because uh, I'm a third-generation artist. She's fourth. And I, I think she's going to be better than us all. So, <laughs> But anyway... Um, no, I mean, it's good to, to, I mean, it's good to make, you know, other contacts with other designers that will keep you um, honest and to show them your work and say, Hey, how can I prove this? What, but, but also, I'm, I mean, I just, I'm on the web all the time. So I'm seeing what's happening and I like things and. You're not staying you know, in a vacuum. You, You're continuing to look at other things and to research. It's not like, Hey, I've got this. I'm going to do it this way that you're always constantly checking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as slow as the internet is out in the sticks and the rolling hills of Tennessee, <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I'm on it, you know, most hours of the day until I'm off with my kids. But, you know, so, and dribble has been a very big, big, um, you know, big thing for my career because I've gotten to know through conferences, through dribble, um, through creative South. And, uh, I've gotten to know a lot of our other designers and, um, and kind of keep up with their work and kind of, you know, share work together and see how we can make it better. But, uh, but I don't know. I, I don't feel like it's good to hear that my work's not dated. Cause you know, I, I don't know, but, I don't, I think it's natural. You're just seeing how the web evolves. When I also, you know, I, I saw a tweet. You also like to do different things and push yourself. I think that's another one of your superpowers is that you're like, Hey, I want to figure how that, figure out how that was done. Right. You what? My superpowers. <laughs> I was responding to. I know it's okay. Um, so, but. That's one of your superpowers, I said, is because you're always looking at something and then trying to figure out how it was done. Right? Mm. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, well, yeah, I'm all, yeah, I'd like to know how things are evolving, how things are done, and things like that. And, but I'm also like, now that there's so many options for fonts and stuff, I start a new project. I'm like, you know, what font combinations can I do here? You know, because that's going to make, that's going to be new and different. And, you know, what, what module shape should I square these buttons off or should I round them? What's kind of in on trend, you know, I, now, you know, I bucked, um, the flat trend in the beginning a lot, not because I, because I didn't feel like it was a design trend so much when iOS moved to flat design. I, I don't know that I, I didn't agree at that time because I saw flat design as a solution to a problem. Mm -hmm where we needed to take graphics from one size display and make them flexible for smaller displays. Right. And I, I, and I thought skeuomorphic design mm -hmm. still made sense as an OS because it wasn't to solve a solution. Um, I mean, to solve a problem of, um, that we had on the web. So I didn't see why it was so much needed on a, you know, on a device, right. unless it was, um, you're viewing a website or something of that nature. Now I'm happy that these two are kind of coming in and, you know, becoming, um, I guess, married together. Mm -hmm. So I'm liking where things are now, but in the beginning I was, I was having a hard time with it. I mean, I wasn't on the web. It made sense, but it, I just didn't feel like it made sense for an OS. I felt skeuomorphic was still made sense that your typewriter looked like a typewriter right. or, or um, keyboard. Okay. So how, so, are there any other personal attributes that you've seen that you've had to get across to an employer? Um, and then how do you, how were you able to show it before you were their employee? And I also think that it's good to say, Hey, you're, you know, chief creative officer, but you, they still had to do three months of, Hey, let's try this out. You know, it's not like you ever, I think some people are like, Oh, well that happens only in the beginning of your career. But I really think that, you know, sometimes it's, all the way through your career. Right. Well, I wasn't hired as chief creative officer at Engage. I was hired as design director. So, um, so that was a year ago is when I became chief creative officer. So, um, but I, <laughs> I'm horrible in job interviews. I'm just, 
I just, I'm, I'm terrible because I'm so reserved and because I don't like talking about myself because I don't like arrogant people. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to, I don't like to say, Hey, here's what I did. You know, I did this for, you know, I've done a lot of that today, which is very unusual and hard for me to do. Uh, Nick, my friend, Nick Sloggett and, and you, Diane, both said, you need to talk more about what you do. Cause and, I think, and, and, but I think it's really important for other people who are like that. You know, it's, it. so uh, David O'Hara, when I was talking to my, and I told you this story, I'm pretty sure I'm like picking at something that's making a bunch of eraser dust. Um, but he, he was it, it, like telling what he had done with like 50 States apparel. Cause he does a side yeah. project. And um, I was talking to one of my students and she had this painting like right here and you could kind of see it, but you couldn't really see it. And I was like, oh, Carrie, you should, you know, tell, show everybody your painting. And she's like, no. And then we went on. And, and then the next day at school, I said, well, did you think when David O'Hare was talking about his, you know, what he does and then what he does for his side project and how he talked about 50 states, did you think that that was really, you know, self you know, like me, me, me. And she's like, no, I thought that was cool. I said, that's what people would have thought about your painting. And that's what I was telling you because I think it, it, it's hard sometimes, I think, to talk about those things, but there, there is so much good that you're not sharing because you're not sharing some of that with everybody else. And I'm with Nick on this. I really think that you have to, um, you do have to be able to talk about your work in a way that's not cocky, like, hey, hey, look at me. But, but more like, Hey, this is what I've done. This is what I've learned. And that's why I wanted, I was like, Shane, we've got, you've got to talk about this because your work is amazing, but then you have this amazing story. And it's not like you were just like, bong, all this great stuff started happening. You were working hard. And yeah, there was a time I was working three jobs at a time. Cause I want to, I, I believed in the Dave Ramsey message. I was at one point I was making, well, I don't want to tell you what I was making, but I was making really good money at this one job in Utah. And because I wanted it so bad, I was doing that freelancing and delivering pizzas because I wanted out of debt. It was that important. So, so like, um, Fabio, Bob, uh, Fab, Bob, Fabio, right. I'm having trouble with names today. I'm so sorry. Fabio. So Fabio, are you saying you have a hard time talking about your work too? I know <laughs> Peter's like, I'm going to spell it out. Fabio, is, Fabio does awesome work. No, but that's just it. Like, like, does anybody think that Shane's been like, Oh, like with Shane. Oh, you know, no, I feel like we're just listening to your story. And I think you just have to have, you just have to know when to, answer the call and say, Hey, yeah, let me tell you about this thing I did. And it's not like, Oh, listen, everybody stop what you're doing. Listen to me. You know, like I, I just think it's important that you learn that skill. Yeah. And it's good that you have people like Nick and me that are bugging you to share your story. <laughs> yeah. It, it definitely helps to be asked to oh. tell your story and answer questions. Then you sound like, but I, Going back, so I'm horrible in a job interview because I don't like talking about myself. So I've been passed on several jobs because awesome jobs because I just didn't talk about myself. Um, but with Engage, I had proven myself again for three months, and um, man, they and but I don't think I had a I had I remember having um, a phone call with the owner Patrick and with uh, my buddy there Eric, who's the um, chief operating officer and it was a good conversation. So I think I did okay there, but, but there's been some times where it just been bad. 
it's been bad. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so, I interview well either, but you know, like, I think that, um, we need to say about ourselves because what we, I do think what we say is what we hear ourselves. And so if you keep mm-hmm. saying that, then you will live that out. Like you will be, mm-hmm. you are, um, an incredible person, incredible designer, and you're super passionate when you work for whoever you're working for. If it's freelance, if it's mm-hmm. delivering pizzas, if it's working at a company, I feel like you're you're there. And I think sometimes that's a hard thing to get across in an interview. Do you think that that's hard to get across, like that you're a team player or that you're responsible? Because you can say that, but then people are like, right. No, you have to give examples of in the past. Um what you've done in the past, how you're a team player at X job before and how you're a team player X. I mean, everybody can sit there and go, I'm a detailed oriented person. I work well with that team, but you've got to tell the story and why you, uh, (laughs) you're not sounding like a robot now though. Thankfully, like, um, (laughs) so, uh, Peter says it's never bragging. It's just justifying your expertise and opinion when working with clients and talking to a crowd about who you are. But I think sometimes it's like Shane would rather talk about somebody else than talk about himself. But sometimes it's like, um, somebody's missing out from the story that you're supposed to teach them. I think. Yeah. And that too, I don't want to leave out the team. I mean, um, I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're doing some big things. So we're, I mean, we, we're doing, uh, I mean, we, you know, we've worked on the reelection campaign for the prime minister of Australia. And that takes more than me. I mean, it takes a team and it takes some really good developers and it takes a really good project manager, Ryan Frazee. It takes Ben Locker and it takes Mike Calvo and Lee Moran and um, Spence and Ryan Slater mm-hmm. and Eric Rapridge. I mean, it takes all these guys to really, really make it happen. And it takes our client strategy team, you know, M- Maggie and Matt and um, all these guys to like talk to the clients and make sure, you know, everything lines up. So, you know, and bring us back to work. So, I mean, it's, it's a team effort. It is. Joseph has a good point. He says, as designers, especially, we are so used to communicating other people's voices that we sometimes forget the strength of our own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's absolutely correct. I think that is beautiful. You should tweet that out because that's such a good line, Joseph. Um, but I really, I think, so one of the things that you've had to do, and I know we're out of time almost, you've had to communicate with developers because it is this team. So how have you, how has knowing code helped you your job and help what are your secrets to good communication with the developers um well we're on slack all day together so you know (laughs) there's it's easy to communicate um you know through the online tools like that um and um but it's also important to know you know how to talk to a developer so when i come in with a photoshop file and he chop you know mike chops it up and he comes back to me or Lee chops it up and comes back to me and they say, you know, in this text is like really too close together. And if I say, Hey guys, the letting is just wrong. I, it needs to be more spread out. That's not going to mean anything to them. I've got to be like, guys, I want the line height, line dash height, colon at 32 pixels. You know, I got it. I got it. Okay. So write that in and write that in. So you're the robot again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
It wasn't as bad. And at least I knew other people were hearing it and it wasn't just me this time. So, so did say something. Do I need to re-say all that? No. Um, I think just say it again. So it. it sorry. Ryan said, Chewy <laughs> says robots shouldn't drink moonshine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, notice how he turned into a robot when he was giving orders. Okay. <laughs> okay, so talking to developers. Develop, uh, well, line height. We heard everything up until about line height. They knew okay, they so, didn't understand so, letting. So if it comes back and it doesn't look like the Photoshop file, this block of text, I can't say, hey, guys, the letting's wrong because they don't understand what that means. Some do, but, I mean, not – not every developer I've worked with. So if it comes back, I say, hey, guys, the, the line height is wrong. The line height needs to be, and then I'll just write that code snippet, you know, mm -hmm. 32 pixel, and plug that in, and we're good to go. So, I mean, it's, you know, the H1 needs to be this, and we need, you know, they're always asking what what's the hex code for this, you know, for this secondary color here on your H2. So... I mean, if you don't know what those things are, you can't communicate. But instead of not learning, that's that teachable spirit, I think, is that you want to make the relationship as strong as it can and the work as strong as it can. So it's just better instead of like, no, hey, buddy, you're going to have to learn this is that, hey, I'm going to try and you're going to and you're going to try. And it, but I'm going to start with me first because that's all I can um, control. So I think that's a really Strong. I right. think that was one of Kent's things that he really wanted to get across. So I'm glad that we were able to talk about that one because we really didn't get through many questions. One, two, no, three, I, four. I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about the designers feeling inadequate, like to yeah. not get. I wanted to talk about you know the side project now, creative by design, and what that means for uh, you know how I'm passionate about that. But we can save that for another time. Well, you can give us a little if you can if you've got a little bit of time, like five ten minutes, or we can just save it for another time. So, because you're always working on side projects now, but I think that one of the reasons that you are so successful is that there is that kind of innate feeling, and I think a lot of people feel this. And I think if you're not feeling this yet, you will, especially as a um, as you get older, if you stay in the field, a lot of times designers get one of the things I wanted to know, and I didn't even write it down was just how you've stayed kind of creative and how you've kept those juices flowing. Because I think a lot of times designers in their mid 30s will kind of peter out a little bit. Right. 33, 34, 43. 40. I know I'm 43, too. But I'm saying sometimes they'll like in their thirties, they kind of like, this isn't working. I'm going to go do something else. And it's just because they hit creative block or they're oh, not yeah. pushing themselves. Right? And you know why creative block happens is because you're, I mean, yes, you want to bust it to get where you want to your dreams and stuff like that, but you have to have a break. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, the creator of the universe took mm -hmm. a break on the seventh day. If it's important enough for our God to take a break, <laughs> we have to take a break. Um, I, you know, it's important like during the day to do design sprints, like taking mm -hmm. what I try to do is four 90 minute design sprints in a day in between those. So I'll write down on my notepad what uh, what I'm going to fill those in for the day. And in between those times, you know, I check my email, I have a meeting or I go for a walk. I take a break. And then how long the week, are the breaks? 
like 15 minute break. Take a walk. Okay. Okay. Um, have a snack. I like to eat. I like hamburgers. Burgers are my currency. What my, and our, uh, Ron Frazee, our project manager, knows that. He knows that he can get most anything out of me for a burger. So <laughs> I have. he has an IOU burger list. for. I think it's at three or four right now. So <laughs> so anyway, um, skinny, I don't look like I eat that much, but I do. And that's Nick Sloggett. Um, <laughs> he's seen me eat. But um, so anyway, you have to take a break on the weekend. You need to take a day off. I mean, hmm. so not every weekend, not every agency allows you to do that. But uh, Engage is very much about uh, work-life balance. So, I mean, we work, you know, pretty much 40-hour a week. So not always. I mean, sometimes there's a something that has to be done. But uh, it's important to take a break. And um, so anyway, the, somebody said they wanted to hear about it's design sprints. Well, design sprints. Everyone wants to know about quickly explain okay, so, design sprints. Okay, so well, I, I call it a design sprint off the off the idea of you can only work for ninety minutes before. There's been studies, scientific studies show that you can only work for ninety minutes before your brain starts uh, wandering, getting lost, losing focus. So, and if um, you can continue to bust through that and keep working and working, but your work might possibly not be as good as if you took a 15 minute break and came back right. to it and did. So I, that idea of working in a sprint, a 90 minute session is what I call a 90 minute design sprint. So and if you do four, four of those a day, you're getting six hours of solid work in. you're getting a couple of breaks and you're having time for your meetings and your email and uh, keeping up with projects, Basecamp. We use Basecamp and things like that. So, do you set a timer? Um, I I used to. I've kind of gotten used to it, but um, I thought about that yesterday about starting to set a timer again. I used to do it on my phone for ninety minutes and just let it let it ride. But so I know. But so go anyway. on to the feelings of inadequacy. Okay. Um, well, so. We have a tendency as designers to look at other people's work and all of a sudden that makes us look at ourselves and our own work and say, my work doesn't look like that. So what did I do wrong? Why am I not that good? Or, hey, maybe you are that good. Maybe you're just one reason. One thing is we're all self-critical of our own work. Our work could be just as good as others, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes we're just really good designers out there. And, and that's just the talent that they've been given. And when I went, I mean, I've been to Creative South for four years. I went to Circles one year. I've been to some other conferences. and uh, But at, two years ago at Creative South, there was a lot on hand lettering and everything. And there are some amazing hand letters. And um, and I watched that. And I, and I, after seeing speech after speech on head lettering, I all of a sudden felt like, what is what is my career? I'm a, I'm a web designer. What Do I need to be a hand letterer? Do I need to pick right. this up? And, yeah, I mean, if I really wanted to, yes. I mean, I may not be as good um, as some really good hand letters, but I could spend time uh, like Bob did. And Bob came amazing hand letter, and he spent the time to do that. And you can do that. But I also don't want – I didn't. we don't need to come out of those things feeling like somehow we're not – I mean, I'm a good – I'm a really good UI designer, and I said it. So there it is. So I, I'm good at it. And why – if that's my the talent God's given me, mm -hmm. and it it is 
and I love doing it, why, why do I need to go change my career to become a hand letterer if I'm a really good UI designer and I like doing it and it's, and it's putting food on the table for my family. So, um, but even the reason I'm a good UI designer is because of the years of busting it. I wasn't a good UI designer when I began, when I did the Department right. of Education's website. But I mean, it takes, you just got to work at it and you get but better. But it's just like, like Bob with the Bob letter. Bob with the hand letter. Yes, exactly. So don't feel inadequate about your work. Find out what you're good at. Focus on the strengths instead of trying to focus on your weaknesses and making your weaknesses better. Focus on your strengths, except for Jason needs to get over that procrastination thing. <laughs> But I also think it's what you tell yourself. So Nick said, and you probably will, like he'll deny it off air, right? But so maybe that's part of that self-talk because um, I really do think our self-talk holds us down a lot. And we have to, I don't, so uh, there's a writer, Brene Brown, and she's a psychologist. And she says, would you ever talk to somebody else, your best friend or your spouse, the way you're talking to yourself? And I wouldn't. So why would you talk to yourself like that? And so I think that that's a pretty powerful statement. Yeah, true. Yeah, I probably wouldn't be married anymore. Right, <laughs> right. So, but that's not, I, I believe that's not what God says about you either. And you even yeah. preached on that, that, you know, God sees, sees you in a different way. And so. Right. Um, and that's the, that's the. Side project. That's the creative. Uh, that's the creative by design thing I'm passionate about right now, and um, that started uh, two years ago. We've had three classes at the end of Creative South, and uh, and I taught. Mike Jones had me out three years, you know, for three years ago to Creative South. He said, "I want to pay for your ticket. Come out here." And he started the conference with a prayer. And growing up in church and working for Dave Ramsey at the time, I mean, I was used to praying. And then so I bowed my head and then I looked around and thought, hey, wait a minute, I'm at a design conference. Is this cool? Is it, are people okay with this? And most people were or respectful, at least of it. So after the conference, like, Mike, I can't believe you did that. He's like, that's who I am. That's what this is about. And that's who I'm giving this thing to. And I said, well, so I started thinking about that. And Mike and I started talking before the next one next creative south and I said what if you know people are traveling and they don't know where to go on sunday morning to church what if we just had a class for designers that are christians to stick around and uh, that first year we had 11 people stick around for a, a bible class and we talked about how our our creativity uh and um this model we started thinking about this model for creativity how it mimics how it should mimic how god created which mm -hmm. um I, i'm going to be blogging more and more about that and i've taught classes on that so um but i mean emily carlton was there peter del tondo eddie labanoski david kovalov and mike and me and some others were there and uh and there was 11 of us and the next year there was 28 of us and then this year there were 76 of us and now people are asking hey what, what what does that look like if it's a conference its own conference a spinoff so i don't know that's um something we're talking about doing and we'll see um thanks ben stafford <laughs> <laughs> so um all right so let's that's definitely something. So how, if somebody else wants to know more about the creative by design community, what, where could they go? What could they, who can they 
tweet to? How can they read your blog? What can they do? So it's creativebydesign.co. Okay. So, and um, the uh, Twitter is CBD Community. Okay. Let me write those in there. All right. And then if you want to see Shane, if you want to see what he is doing, you can always check out his website, which is super easy because he has a easy name that I can say without having to practice. ShaneHelm.com. H-E-L-M-S-H-A-N-E-H-E-L-M.com. And then, oh, and uh, Nick did the CBD community. Thank you on Twitter. And then you can also, he's Shane Helm everywhere. Even at home, except he's Poppy Helm, I guess. Poppy at home. Yeah, but um, he doesn't need a Twitter handle at home, hopefully. (laughs) Um, So uh, Twitter, Shane Helm, and then I'm putting these in the thing. And also on Instagram. And then on Dribbble as well. Yes. So so we'll have to do another one. We'll have to get into more of the Dribbble stuff. Those are some questions. um, How Dribbble... Yeah, how Dribble kind of helped you. I would not be you. where I am without Dribble. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that for people who are trying to get to that next place, um, it's about putting time in and learning something. I definitely get that from you today. And then going and trying and going all out, even if it's a place that doesn't, like the Loveland thing didn't work out, but then you went at it and you busted it for the Park City. And I think that that's, you know, sometimes um, opportunities come up and just because an opportunity doesn't co- follow through, it doesn't mean that it's that you should change your career or something, right? It's just that was not the right place at the at the right time. So no, I'm not, but but if I'm just going to be totally transparent with you, I mean, there's been times in my life where, man, should I change my career? Should I be an accountant? <laughs> Ooh, really, accountant? <laughs> well, I don't know. That's something I know numbers. So I mean. <laughs> I don't want to do concrete. I mean, I don't have any muscles. So, <laughs> but I think that would be such a waste. Like I, I have heard people. Well, yeah, but what I'm just saying, we all go through that. I mean, we have to. I mean, yeah. I guess I'm saying is have a group that you can talk to. I think having a couple guys that you have been able to connect with and be able to share because clearly you probably aren't sharing this with like, Hey, on your Snapchat, like I'm feeling inadequate. Maybe that might not be the best place, but pardon. No, we all curate, you know, our image online on who, you know, we want people to think we are. And we're just a bunch of, you know, people sitting about a computer trying to make a living and support our families. And that's real. Yeah, it is. So, um, So let me tell you a little bit for everybody. Thank you, Shane. I'm going to give you kind of a little bit of wrap up. So again, Shane Helm on Instagram, Dribbble, um, Twitter, and then ShaneHelm.com. And then if you're interested in the uh, Creative by Design community, it's creativebydesign.co. And then that, I'm sure there's a little Twitter bird or whatever, uh, and you can check that out as well. Um, And it is a really cool community of people. So, um, uh, if you want to learn more about Design Recharge, we're here every Wednesday, except next Wednesday, because I'm doing a Saturday one. So let me tell you who I have on the Saturday. I have Scott Beersack, who is huge. I 
just am so inspired by him. And then Eric Friedrichsen, who is also really inspiring. And they're living together for this past year. Um, Scott moved from Arizona, graduated from ASU, Arizona State, and then went to um, studying at the Cooper Union, type at the Cooper Union. And then Eric's um, lettering, they're like in the same community. Again, we're going to talk about these kind of communities of designers where you can really kind of open up and, and share and get real feedback and help you with your goals and people to hold your feet to the fire. Um, so that'll be on Saturday. I haven't done a Saturday one and I don't know how long. It's been a long time and it'll be like four years in June that I've been doing design recharge. So um, thank you, um, Brian, John, awesome. for helping me with this. Um, so anyway, so on Saturday, check it out at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern and you can do the math. I think that's 12 p.m. Pacific time. Um, it's I'll put it up. So you're going to get another newsletter from me this week. You're going to, I guess I'm going to give a lot of unsubscribes, but more questions. And it's about how they work together, how they live together. And then just kind of somehow working closely or being in a community with some other designers has really affected them, a small, close community. Um, and hopefully there won't be any more aliens. And Shane, I'm just impressed with the Wi-Fi out there or your modem. You had to probably use a modem today, modem. didn't you? <laughs> oh, man, the modem days. <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, so next week I'm not doing one cause I'm doing one on Saturday and, but Shane, just thank you so much for coming and sharing. And we do have to have you back on because we didn't get to <laughs> much at all of our questions. Are you serious? Cause my first question lasted about 30 minutes. <laughs> well, we kind of needed that, but it was really good. Like I thought yeah. that that was really good. And we actually, I mean, it was encouraging to me, um, about anyway, so. And uh, Peter is with me on doing another um, uh, uh, part two. So um, next, uh, catch us on uh, catch us on Saturday. Sorry, and thank you for hanging out a little bit late for us today. And we'll do another part two. Thank you guys for coming and listening to Shane and just being encouraging because he does really rock it. I think. And um, I'm just thankful that you guys are all my friends. Yeah. Somebody said earlier, like when you said your dad was a nuclear person, you know, a nuclear, was he was like, a nuclear reactor engineer. Yeah. But they said, that's why all of Shane's um, designs are so nuclear or something. It was a <laughs> cheesy joke, but I was like, that's such a good one. Um, that's what I'm going to put on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> nuclear website. Yeah, yeah. Nu all my designs go nuclear. <laughs> that that's um, that was a great one. But thank you guys for being so great. In um, <laughs> so Mike says, wouldn't that make his dad Homer Simpson? I can't imagine um, uh, your dad looking like Homer. To be honest, is your no, dad I, skinny too? No, my dad's stocky, and he he'll be seventy in August. But and. My dad was valedictorian in high school and most handsome in school. So I grew up with all my girlfriends having a crush on my dad. And anytime my dad comes to town and comes to church, I mean, the lady that works at the little uh, merchandise, uh, merchandising store two miles from here, every time I go in, she's like, I saw your dad at church. He is so handsome. He is so good looking. <laughs> That's hilarious. That, so yeah, that, he's he's uh he's built and uh, he's in good health for his age, and he's the ladies still like him. 
but he's a good man. He's a good man. And uh, anyway. All right. So thank you guys. Thank you, Diane. Appreciate you, Diane. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. So if if you guys want to know more about me, I forgot to tell you that. Designrecharge.org or rechargingyou.com. You can always email me at Diane at either one of those. Designrecharge.org or rechargingyou.com. Thanks, and we'll see you on Saturday. Sounds good. Thank you, Diane. See you, everyone. Thanks, everyone.